Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. I'm so glad to see you guys. This week marks the official start of the holiday season, right? It's upon us now. And I feel like we use that word season. We use that word a lot between now and the end of the year, don't we? This is Thanksgiving week and it is time for the holiday season. And when I think about this holiday season, I ask this question, what is the season really about? Like, what really matters this Thanksgiving? Maybe you're thinking about your plans, and I just want you to think for a second, what is really important to you this Thanksgiving? For some of you, maybe it's like, rest. Like, ugh, this is what I need. More than anything, I've got four days off of work, four days off of school. I just need to hit the couch, a Hallmark movie, and it sounds so, so good, or uh, a football game. Maybe some of you, you just, you need some fun. You need some adventure. You need to get out of your house. You Maybe you have some plans to travel. Maybe for some of you, it's really, really important that you get some stuff done. Maybe you have school projects that you're behind on or a house project that you want to get done. Maybe for some of you, it's what's really important is connections with your family. Maybe you have people in town, maybe extended family, maybe it's time with aging parents and you just, this is so important to me. I need deep connection with my people this Thanksgiving. And I don't know what is the top of your list, but I know that we need to think ahead of time what matters most. What matters? What am I prioritizing? What am I really preparing for? So that we don't have this sense kind of of like drifting or trying to do it all. And what I want to do today is give you a biblical perspective, a biblical perspective on the season we're in, on this season, this Thanksgiving season. I want to show you what opportunity you have this week So you're ready. So you're prepped and primed and ready to go so you don't miss the opportunity right in front of you. So I want you to, my goal really, guys, is that all of us, we would just walk away from this Thanksgiving knowing I made the most of it. I made the most of it. So here is a biblical perspective. This is Paul. He's talking to the Colossians about the season they were living out. And this is what he writes. We're in Colossians 4, and we're going to start in verse 5. And he says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says right there, I want to slow down this phrase, make the most of every opportunity. And that word, that word in the Greek for opportunity is kairos. And it's a general word for time, but the Bible has two words for time. One is chronos, and that looks a little bit like chronological. So think about that in terms of like measurement. It's time we can measure. It's, it's, mo- it's minutes, it's hours, it's days, it's measurable. And then the other word is this word right here, kairos, and it means season, or appointed time, or what I would like to say, a window of opportunity. A window of opportunity. So Paul is saying, even in this season, this Thanksgiving season, the feasting, the celebrating, that we have an opportunity, 
with those who are outside the faith. He's talking about our engaged flame, the, the, one of our priorities to reach the lost, to engage with our world. Paul is like right there with us where we've been in this series. And he's like, you have a season right now, a, a moment, a window of opportunity, even in Thanksgiving week, to be, to be connecting, to reach the people outside the faith, to bring the presence of God, to be the blessing that God designed us to be. You have a window of opportunity, even this week, to be on mission for God. So, okay, Paul, so what do we do? What's our, what's the, how do we use this window of opportunity? Well, Paul says what uh, we hear a lot of parents, we may overhear them saying to a child who's having a tantrum, use your words. Use your words is what Paul is saying. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying this, it's all about your speech. It's all, we're going to focus in on your speech. So what Paul is saying is conversation. Conversation is the key to an opportunity we may have this week, this Thanksgiving week, with those outside the faith. What we say around the table, at, at our friends' giving, in line at the shopping Black Friday, what we might say is the most important thing that happens this Thanksgiving. So what are we looking for? More than maybe the best food of the year, right? Like the best meal of the year. And for some reason, every year our family has this, we do the same thing. We make this beautiful meal, same food every year. We eat it. We all sit around the table after and we say the same thing. Why don't we make this food more often, right? Like what? But it's, we never do. It's once a year. This one sweet potato recipe, once a year, right? But more than a chance to like have that best food of the year, more than a chance to watch the Macy's Day parade in your PJs with a chestnut praline latte, more than anything else, guys, we have an opportunity to impact people outside the faith with our words. Okay, so what kind of words? What kind of words is Paul talking about? He says this, let your grace-filled words be seasoned with salt. Okay. Salt. Why salt? Why salt? Let me answer that question with an experience. All right. There are bags underneath the outside rows of chairs. Mia has those. And if you're on the outside, you have a job to do, some responsibility. You have to reach down and get the bag. And inside the bag are little little things of bread with stickers, orange and green. If you're on the outside, your job is to distribute the bread. Everybody gets one orange and one green. All right? And some of you guys, you have to share. There is, there is enough. There is enough. But Aaron, you may have to share back. Adriana, did you get them? Adriana, you may have to share back because there's more people back there. There, I think Wendy needs some. Kevin, Adriana has some extras maybe. Okay, thank you. Thank you for distributing evenly. Everybody needs an orange and a green. You get what we're doing here? We're doing a taste test. Orange and green. I made it, and I wore my sanitary gloves. Ask Kevin. I was so careful. I'd be like, don't touch that. Don't, you don't have gloves on. All right. An orange and a green. We are going to start with the orange. Okay, so take your baggie with the orange sticker, and do what you do at Costco. Sample. Sample it. Orange bread. This is gluten full. I'm sorry if you can't eat gluten, but it is gluten full. All right. Orange bread. Orange. Taste it. Experience the orange bread. 
All right. And then when you're ready, do the same thing with the green bread. Try the green bread. All right, so turn to someone next to you and describe. What's the difference? Like, how would you describe the orange bread to someone? How would you describe it? Turn to someone next to you. I hear blah. Or blah. Meh. Orange bread? Okay, how would you describe the green bread to someone next to you? Green bread. What's that? A lovely balance. It's Carly. All right. So, you know what happened here? I made the orange bread without salt. Okay. Is salt important? Yes. It makes for a different experience, doesn't it? It adds flavor. It makes something desirable. You leave, if you eat something without salt, you're like, meh, no thanks, that's okay. I don't need that ever again. If you eat the bread with the salt, we're like, okay, I would eat some more of that. That's good, right? So here's the point about salt and flavor. It leaves this impact that makes you go, oh, that was good, right? It leaves a blessing. It leaves a, a blessing on people you encounter. Your words that are seasoned with salt have people going away going, that was good. I hit the taste buds of my soul, right? I want more of that. So salt adds flavor. That's one of the impacts. The second thing is that salt makes people thirsty. You guys see the Seinfeld? Every time I eat a pretzel, I am not kidding. Every time there's a pretzel anywhere near Kevin, this is what comes out of his his mouth. These pretzels are making me thirsty. He's not even eating them. And he, like, (laughs) quotes George every time, every time. Okay, So this is why they put salty nuts on a bar, right? So smart because people will, they want to drink something, right? Words carry weight. Words carry weight that, that um, impart life. And they, they make people thirsty for more, to know more, to experience more. Words actually, it's amazing that these little things like salt, it seems so small and insignificant, but they actually carry power to impart, to create light. Let's go back to the one most, one of the most Impactful, impactful moments of all history, and we look back at creation, and I want you to see in this very beginning, Genesis 1, such familiar words, what's happening that sets all of creation into motion? There is nothing. It is dark chaos, formless, and God speaks. God utters some words, let there be light, and there's light. Let things grow. Let land appear, and it appears, right? In that first chapter, Genesis 9, the words, and God said, nine times. Nine times. It's like a king. Picture a king issuing a decree, right? He says it, and it's done, right? Out with the old queen, in with the new, like, done. Bam, he issued that decree, and it happens, right? God speaks in dark chaos, formless void, nothingness, turns into a synchronized, highly ordered, functioning universe with galaxies and physical laws and ecosystems that everything just operates in this fine-tuned balance, right? It's amazing. Out of nothing. How? By a spoken word. By a spoken word. This is what Psalm 33, 6 says. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host, by the breath of his mouth, he gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded. It stood firm. 
It's amazing. Words carry power to create life. They carry power to, to create an intricate universe out of nothing. This is the power of words, right? And then Jesus, a man, fully man, on living on this earth in flesh and blood, He's full of the same spirit of God who created something out of nothing back in Genesis one, those same words. Jesus says this in John six sixty three. He says this, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And then right after this, Jesus says this, he was preaching about um, people eating his blood and or drinking his blood and eating his flesh, and it made no sense to them. And everyone is leaving; they are just running from him. And um, Jesus turns to Peter and he says, "Are you going to go too? Right? You too? Are you out too?" And Peter looks at him and says, "Lord, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life." Right? He's like, Jesus, when you spoke, something in me, in my being came alive. That's all I know. It may have been offensive to my brain. It may have made no sense logically. It may have, may have just like, you know, it hit my brain in like a sideways way, but it released life to the very center of my being, to the very core of who I am. Whatever these words that are coming out of your mouth, they satisfy something in me. And all I know is I'm thirsty. I just want more. I have nowhere else to go. I have no other choices because when you speak it speaks to something that i didn't even know that i needed but i'm desperate for i can't go anywhere else you have the words of eternal life this is exactly the point god's words are meant to be designed to be a lifeline and so we see god creator in the beginning and then jesus and then we see all over through the bible that god shares his words he gives his words to men and to women to people just like you and me and and he says you're going to be my i'm going to give you my words you're going to carry them and release them and god calls it um he calls that person a messenger a prophet but he calls the word prophecy, right? And I know for some reason, somewhere along the line, prophecy got this like super, super weird vibe. Like if you YouTube like prophetic sermon or something, every time the picture that pops up, it's like purple and spacey, right? With like orbs and there's usually flames, right? Like the vibe is, how did it get so weird? Because look at if we want to see how it was meant to be. Let's look at the first time God called someone a prophet. And it's in Genesis 20. And he, um, here's the context. Abraham, um, and Sarah are on their journey. They're on their way and they come to a new country. And when they come to this new country, Abraham tells all the people, like, listen, Sarah, who's really my wife, she's just my sister. She's just my sister, right? Everything's cool. She's just my sister. And so the king sees Sarah and takes her as one of his wives. And God appears to this king in a dream and he says, you are a dead man. You have taken someone else's wife. And the king was like, hey, hold on. I have no idea. The guy told me it was his sister. Like, don't punish me. And this is God's answer. This is what God says in Genesis 27. He said, now return the man, Abraham, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And look at this. He will pray for you and you will live. That's it. That's how the prophetic was designed to be. From the very beginning, it brings life. It brings life. He will live. Encounter with the prophetic word of God is life giving. That's how God intended it to be. That's how it was designed to be. And here's the deal, guys. Everyone wants to know God's creative possibility for their life. 
everyone wants the good news of what God could create in their lives. Because we get so stuck in the limits of of what we see, of our circumstances, of our self-evaluation, and our broken filters, and we get stuck in our in this very limited idea about our own lives and who we are until God's word creates possibility for something more, for true life. That spoken word, like he did at creation, hits our spirit, and then all of a sudden, something more comes to life. Because we live, again, we live on this earth and all we can see is a few fish and a few loaves, but God sees lunch for thousands, right? All we can see is, is a devastation of like the ancient ruins of a city and God from his perspective can see this glorious city rebuilt on those ancient founded, on those ancient ruins, right? God can see that. Uh, You know, we look at the cross and it looks like absolute defeat and death. And God is saying, no, I see resurrection life. I see Jesus uh, raised to glory again, reigning in the heavenly places, right? But we get so stuck in our limits and we are desperate, guys. People are desperate for order in the chaos that we live in, internal and external, right? People are desperate for some sort of someone to speak the hope of what could be created in the void, in the darkness, in the chaos. I tell you this with such conviction that I believe the world is in an identity crisis. I believe that we are in the middle of an identity crisis and that so many of the root of the problems that we are experiencing in our day and age stem from this identity crisis. That we rejected the voice of the father who said, you are mine You are my beloved that we have walked away from that identity and our identity is just up for grabs out there, isn't it? It is up for grabs for whoever will speak into like who I, well, who am I? Am I this? Am I that? I don't know, right? We are having an identity crisis and I think it's like this downward spiral. I feel like the Lord was saying, you guys know how to draw a downward spiral, right? It goes down and it gets bigger. And I believe that we have not hit rock bottom yet, but it is a shambles. Our identity crisis that we're, that we're experiencing, it is a mess. And they've done this, um, a little bit of research on, on, um, identity and purpose and, and identity and design give birth to purpose, don't they? That the root system of, we have this root system of identity and design and it brings forth our purpose. And I believe that because we don't know who we are, we are purposeless. The world is purposeless. And they've done these research, they've done research and medical studies and they found an association between lack of purpose and depression and anxiety. And with a greater lack of purpose, there is a greater level of depression and anxiety. And it is spinning out of control in the world. And I am just passionate. I believe the heart of God is passionate that he wants people back in touch with who they were meant to be. And we are the ones who carry those life-giving words. Church, we are the ones who know the creator, who understand who are, can get in touch with the possibility that God can create out of chaos. We are the ones who need to bring the salt to the world around us. They need to know who they are. They need the possibility. I believe that people, they look at their lives and it is like a scrambled mess of words. And they are dying for the author to come and make sense of them and to put them back into order that they were meant to be. People want to know.
people want to know. And I believe that everyone from kindergarten to PhD, from sucky to successful, from beginner to black belt, from destitute to deep pockets, people need the creative words of God to impart life into emptiness again. A professor at um, Dallas Theological Seminary was often heard saying this, according to the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's true, but you can feed him salt. You can feed him salt. You can feed them salt. I can feed them salt. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Life-giving words. Life-giving words. All right, so you might be asking, okay, how though, right? Like how, me, like how? So here's what I want, to, I want to tell you, that I want you to know what's in your cabinet, the salt that is in your cabinet that you can deliver to the world, that you can feed them to make them thirsty. So at home, I have a ridiculous salt selection in my cabinet. I love salt. I have salt flakes. I have grinders. I have fine Himalayan pink salt. I have Aldi sells these great grinders that are loaded with seasoning and salt. So one has thyme and rosemary. One has garlic and herbs, right? I, salt everywhere, salt, salt, salt. But here's the deal. I felt like the Lord was like, this is exactly what my people are like. They have so much salt in their pantry. They have access to so much salt. Because look at Paul is telling the Colossians this. Remember, this is a message to the Colossians, not to the prophet of Colossae, to the church, to the church, to everyone who would come in contact with his words. He's saying, let your speech be seasoned with salt. So here's the deal, guys. I don't need to tell you this again, but if we're going to open up our pantry, we're going to see, we know this, that God's spirit lives inside you. We've been talking about that for a long time. It's our activate flame, right? God's spirit lives inside you. A quick review, John 14, 17. This is what Jesus is telling his followers and down to us today. He says, you're going to know the Holy Spirit for he lives with you and will be in you. And then he goes on to say this, but when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit. He's called the spirit of truth. It's one of his names. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I love this. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me and will make known to you. I love that. Jesus is basically saying, listen, I'm going to get it from the source. I'm going to go to the source of all salt and I'm just going to put it in your pantry where you can use it anytime you want. Right? That's basically what he's saying in this. I'm going to take it from God and give it to you. All right, so what's in your cabinet? The spirit of truth. He's already in you. He lives with you, right? That's the first thing that you have access to. The second thing is you have access to the power of God's pursuit. God wants everyone around you to know him, right? He just does. He says, I want ever, I don't want anyone to perish. And he wants to reveal his relational heart to them. He wants them to know how good he is, how kind he is, how merciful he is, how loving he is. It is like um, little bits of his heart, billion little bits of his, his heart are, are on the earth. And he just, he's like, I want you to be drawn back into my heart. That is what he is after. He's after gathering in. He's after bringing everyone into his love, his neighbor, his nature. He's after them. And Carly, will you share just a little testimony you shared with us? There's, I think the microphone... 
Come on up and share. So Carly was, um, is just going to share a little story about getting to share God's heart for someone just as she's out doing her day, accessing the salt in your cabinet. Inadvertently, I, I was, my husband and I go to the gym very early in the morning. And uh, there was a woman who has worked at this gym for as long as we've been going there. And she's sunshine, you guys. She's just like bright. She's always cheerful. And we go at 5 a.m. So that's a feat, right? Like, <laughs> so, okay. So I was uh, mid chest press <laughs> and sweating and like, this is not my natural state. I don't, I don't relish gym time, but I go and I listen to worship music. And that's a time that I like commit to giving over to God. And I'm mid chest press and I absolutely heard like, you should go tell her what she is. You should go tell her. And I was like, uh, no, I am, I am sweaty and I smell <laughs> and I'm literally in the middle of my reps and I didn't want to do it. And then he said it again, like, no, it's time get up. And so I got up mid chest press and I walked fully sweaty over to the front desk and I looked at her. And as soon as I looked at her, I, I had every word. I told her that she was joy and that, that she was so loved for the way that she sees people, for how she operates in this place of like, love and joy. And, and it's true. I mean, really it's true when you, I don't know her at all, but she is sunny. Right. And I said, I know that there is something that you are struggling with and you don't have to tell me what it is. She got really like nervous. And I said, you don't have to tell me what it is. I believe in Jesus. And I believe he is telling me right now that he is with you and that he loves you and that you are his sunshine and that you are his joy and you operate from that. Even if you don't necessarily feel him with you, he, that is him. That's him in you. And whatever, whatever it is that's stopping you from starting right now, he's stepping into it with you. So start it with him. He's, he's in it. And then I asked after this is after a Kevin had said, let's, can I pray for you? Right. So then I asked fully again, totally, fully sweaty, completely like awkward in every way. And I said, can I pray for you? And she put her hands out and let me hold her hands and pray for her. And that we've seen her now outside of, of our normal, like gym time. She's working out. She's, she's, she, I don't know how she could, but she got sunnier. She got, you know, like, like she's reaching out even more to people. She's, it was so beautiful. And at the end of, at the end of the prayer, I was like, well, bud, that was great. Thanks. And I went back to my chest press. (laughs) So it was, I, it was awkward and I felt weird, but she did. She needed to hear it. And she is operating different. She is even brighter than she was. So I'm excited for what's happening. So <laughs> oh, Thank you. Yes. Thank you. God wants to share his relational heart with people. He wants them to know who he is, who he is for them and who they are to him. He wants them to know. So he shares his words with us. And we, even if it feels awkward, we deliver them. And one of my favorite things that I heard um, from uh, Dallas Willard is, and he was talking specifically about preaching, but I think it hits this too, is what's most important is what happens after the words 
leave your mouth and before they hit their ears, right? Like that's what's most important is that God can do something with those words after they come out of your mouth. They feel weird. They feel awkward. Again, they carry power. They carry impact. They impart life. And we just trust that God's going to do that in between work, right? And after they leave our mouth. Okay. So, so we want to, we want to, to, access the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth in us, the power of God's pursuit. And then lastly, I want you to access this, that you get to experience God's nature yourself. You get to experience God as goodness. You get to know him as wonderful. You get to know him as, um, as, as loving father, right? And the more that you experience and encounter God in this way, the easier that story that you're telling just kind of rolls out of your mouth, right? And so I just want to ask, I want to just remind you that, listen, the best words are real words to you right? Like the best time that you can uh, um, be a witness is when you just saw God that morning, right? And so I want to ask you, have you experienced him as wonderful? You can. Has he been amazing to you recently? He can be, as I want this stuff to be really fresh, right? I want this to be really fresh because you can't serve what you're not cooking, right? All right. So let's just make sure that we've been, it's not someone else's news, it's my news. They're my words that are coming out of a fresh experience with God. All right, so here's your opportunity this Thanksgiving week. I'm going to ask you, what are you preparing to bring to the table? What are you preparing to bring to the table? Or the school event, or your friends giving, or your family decorating time. But let's just take, again, most of this, make the most of the season in front of us. And I want to make it really simple. I'm going to give you three things that I want you to prepare to bring to the table. Pick one of them. Or do them all. But let's try one of them, okay? So the first one is this. This is going to how you're going to remember it. It's called, I see in you. I see in you. Try that. I see in you. I see in you. Okay, so what I want you to do is just to prep before you are going to show up at a place where there's going to be people. Just ask God, God, I'm going to be with these people. What do you see in them? What do you see in them? Catch it ahead of time. God's heart full of hope. You know, you guys know that God, he, it says that his, his opinions of us, they're full of affirmation. They're full of possibility because he sees us through the lens of Jesus. We are hidden in Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus for good, work, good works because we are his workmanship, right? So God sees people around us as he designed them according to his good pleasure. Catch it. Catch it ahead of time, right? I love how um, Sean Bowles actually talks about seeing from heaven's perspective. And he says that he tries to see people when they've, the, as they've already crossed the finish line, holding the trophy in their hand. That's a beautifully hopeful picture for people around us, isn't it? Where is that victory? Where do, again, from heaven's perspective, from the finish, bring it into the present. So just ask God. God, show me your perspective. Show me heaven's perspective on these people, right? And then just decide, can you speak into one person this Thanksgiving, their true identity? And grandparents and aunts, I'm going to call you out specifically to speak this over the younger generation. Younger generation, Please, please get something ahead of time for the young ones that you're going to be around. I see this in you. This is God in you. This is the, the beautiful part of Jesus in you. I see it. Where do you sense God in them? And then just speak it out. And I, I know Holy Spirit will show you. He will. It's the spirit of truth. Okay. So that's the first one. I see in you. Okay. Here's the second one. 
text yourself. Text yourself. <laughs> okay, text yourself. Now, this is just something that has worked for me for a really long time, and I want to share it with you. So as I read my Bible, I read on my phone. Um, I just have a daily app, and when I come across a promise or something that the Holy Spirit's highlighting as something really hopeful or like just like I just feel God's presence on it, I just do this beautiful thing, copy, copy it, right? Highlight it, copy it, and I paste it in a text message to myself, right? Okay, so I just, to Molly Kiefer, my only text stream to Molly Keeper is scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. I've been doing it for a long time and I have just hundreds of promises and just hopeful words of God from his word, words of life on my phone and they're all on there. So then I can just go back and in a down moment, I can just review them and I can scroll through it until I sense maybe something highlighted. And then I just ask the Holy Spirit, who is this for? Who is this for, right? Sometimes I get the neighbor's mail in my mailbox and all I do is just walk it over to their house, right? I just deliver the mail. That's what I'm asking you to do. You don't have to write the mail. You just deliver the mail. So simple, so good, so life-giving. And sometimes I I don't get a response and sometimes someone would be like, that is exactly the words of hope that I needed. That's my lifeline today, right? So text yourself. Can we do that? Okay. Text yourself. yourself. That's right. Get some scripture, get it loaded up. Who is this for? Okay. The last thing I'm going to ask you to do is to pre-love. Pre-love. Okay. So around our house, I hate to admit it, but sometimes we pre-eat. What this means is before we go out, especially if it's going to be sushi, which someone else was telling me about this, especially if we're going to go out for sushi, you have to eat ahead of time, right? Let's just be real. It's not very filling and it's very expensive. We have to pre-eat. Okay. You're laughing like that's unusual. Like, come on, tell me I'm normal. All right. So, but here's what I'm asking you to set up pre-eat because we want to save lots of space for our Thanksgiving meal. We want to pre-love. Pre-love. So what this means is I want you to just think about, again, some of the people that you're going to encounter this week. And then I just want you to do this. I want you to ask God, what do you love about them? Father, this is your child. What do you love about them? What stirs your heart of affection for them, God? Can I feel for a second what you feel for them? Where, where does the blessing, your blessing, God, rest on them? What talents have you given them? Show me how you love them. Give me some words to describe that. Fill up your heart. Fill it up. Just load it up with the love of God. You know why? Because life-giving words are born out of love. It all starts with love, right? The words that God has for people, it's, there are, if, I'm telling you, if you are loving them and loving them, if you're loading your heart up, it will flow out. It just will. It will flow out because you see them like God sees them. Love is powerful, so, so powerful. All right, so we're going to, I see in you. We're going to text yourself, and we're going to pre-love this week. This is your opportunity. This is the last scripture I'm going to give you, and this is so good. This is Matthew 5, 13 in the message, and it says this. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. Boom. There it is. This is why you're here this week. This is the opportunity in front of you. What is this season about? This salt seasoning to bring out the God flavors of this earth. 
Some of our words could fall flat this Thanksgiving. Some could be bland. Some of them could be orange bread, right? Instead of making small talk, let's make big talk this Thanksgiving. We can do this, church. We can do this. All right, let's stand up and I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit just impart revelation. And then Michi is going to come up and just give you a few. Give you a few words. All right, so come on up, Nathan and Michi. And we're, I'm just going to pray. I think the Holy Spirit just wants to impart spirit of truth. And, um, and so come on up, guys. All right. All right, church, I feel like God was asking us again, will you eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy? Like it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, God, we are here with a yes to that question. We want to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And so um, thank you, God, that you are the supply of the salt in our cabinet. You are the supply You are the source, and you do not withhold from us. That there's no qualifications here that we don't meet for your Holy Spirit. And so would you come right now in in just the open atmosphere that we've created in our hearts? Just come, Holy Spirit. Impart revelation to your church. Impart revelation to your ones who are saying we are ready to bring the salt seasoning to the earth. The ones that are absolutely despairing in identity crisis. The ones who need to know purpose. The ones who need to know the life that they were created for. What order comes out of chaos, we need, we need, to, we need to deliver those words, God. So will you bring them this Thanksgiving? 